Well, thank God. Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold podcast is excited about season three and more fabulous guests. We've been talking with and sharing stories, experiences, and laughs with singers, songwriters, musicians, and independent artists in continuing gospel music at its gold. The guests on this show have tirelessly been on the battlefield to bring God's word through song, deed, and action. We also present tribute shows honoring those whom are no longer with us physically, but have left a legacy of gold with their contributions. We hope to continue bringing exciting shows and present great episodes and growing your knowledge in gospel music and its gold to keep you coming back for more. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. On today's show, I'll be giving tribute to Edward and Edgar O'Neill, known as the O'Neill Twins. The twins were born in St. Louis, Missouri in 1938, and at the encouragement of their family pastor, Elder James Ward Sr., they began singing. Once they began seriously singing, they were often guests at churches throughout St. Louis, Missouri, and local cities in Illinois. Later encouraged by the late James Cleveland to make a living at singing, the O'Neill twins increased their appearances and recordings. Throughout their careers as recording artists, they had over a dozen duo albums and appeared on about 20 recordings in all. In the beginning, there was a struggle with singing and playing instruments to becoming one of the most produced, powerful duo teams of recording history. From their first appearance on TV Gospel Time in 1965, they appeared on many other television shows and received many awards and inducted into the International Gospel Music Hall of Fame in Detroit, Michigan. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. After its debut and New York Film Festival to a sold-out audience, Say Amen Somebody saw a limited release in major cities. It received widespread critical acclaim with reviewers focusing especially on the strong personalities within gospel and the joyful music. It was restored in 2019 and was shown at limited theaters again, receiving positive reviews. Edgar O'Neill and Edward O'Neill were brought back into the limelight with that movie. They were born August 17, 1937 in St. Louis, Missouri to Rowena and Edward O'Neill. Their grandparents belonged to the Pentecostal movement headquartered at the All Saints Holiness Church, which later became associated with the Church of God in Christ denomination of Missouri under the direction of the late Bishop 
Daniel Bostick. Encouraged by their pastor, Elder James Ward Sr., the twins began singing. However, they did not take singing seriously until they were well into their teens. The teens struggled with singing and playing instruments because they did not come from a musical family. But they kept at it. And by the late 50s, were singing at storefront churches, prayer meetings, and occasional trips to guests on programs out of town. The twins professed salvation in Christ under the ministerial leadership of Elder James Ward Sr. Soon after, they began singing as a duo at the age of 11 and called themselves the O'Neill Twins. The twins got their start singing in storefront churches and in choirs of Church of God in Christ in St. Louis, Missouri, eventually becoming students of the legendary gospel pioneer Willamay Ford Smith and Professor P.C. Smith with Eddie at the microphone and Edgar at the piano. Their style and harmony was so unique that it could never be duplicated. Now, if you'll recall, in one of my previous shows, I gave tribute to Mother Willie Mae Ford Smith. So you'll know her significance in the role of gospel music in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, their climactic sound, the twins' climactic sound, catapulted them to the O'Neill twins. And they became featured guests on Reverend Cleophas Robinson's church programs, who was pastor of the Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church on Washington Street in St. Louis, Missouri. In 1962, the twins were introduced by Reverend Robinson to Don Roby, head of Peacock Records in Houston who signed the twins to a five-year contract. Their first single charted with the song, Every Day with Jesus, presented great sales in unexpected <laughs> sales, I should say. The O'Neill twins were fortunate enough to appear on Peter Bryzak's TV Gospel Time over the spring of 1965. Now, TV Gospel Time was an American Sunday morning television gospel music show that ran for three years on the NBC network from 1962 to 1965. On the program hosted by Georgia Lewis with Professor Alfred Miller handling the musical arrangements, the duo sang three selections, Power in the Blood, which was their current release, Prayer is the Key, and Keep in Touch with Jesus from a single put out earlier that year. So they were already singing their own songs, not going on and singing other songs. So they were putting out there their own music. It was not until their sixth single release entitled I'll Trade a Lifetime in September 1966, that things started to take off on Peacock Records. 
Now, Peacock Records was an American record label started in 1949 by Don Robley in Houston, Texas. I'll Trade a Lifetime was written by Clyde Bradley, who went on to write other songs for the Twins. The Twins recorded seven singles and two albums for Peacock Records. Up to that point, the Twins had only adopted the music business on a semi-professional basis. Isn't that something? Semi-professional basis. <laughs> well, the reason why I'm, I'm really delving into the record labels is I want to also express the various record labels that supported um, the gospel music during the earlier days. And then we'll talk more. I'll actually do a show about gospel music labels and to see where, if they still exist or if they've closed down. Now, I found the album and we, I talk about the linear notes a lot and I found one of the albums that was uh, put out and that was the I'll Trade a Lifetime album. And what they note on, they have here is called Interesting Notes about the Artists and Performance. The voices of Edgar and Edward O'Neill has been a source of spiritual uplift and musical enjoyment for countless thousands of appreciative listeners for many years. They live in St. Louis, Missouri. They have appeared in concerts throughout the country in small churches and large auditoriums singing the music which they say God intended them to sing. The O'Neill twins, who are identical, voices and approach are unique in the gospel field. Each performance embodies the sincerity and conviction which are necessary to every gospel singer. Hmm. I've heard that before. <laughs> Each song has a special message to every listener, which goes much deeper than the lyrics of the song. It is a message from the heart. This, you will note, as you listen to the selections included in this fine album. To sum it up, this is a wonderful album of gospel singing by two wonderful people singing their new album titled, I Trade a Lifetime. Now that was written by the album coordinator, Richard Simpson. So of course, you know, when they write a blurb like this on an album that was part of the marketing tool to get you, because of course, during the time when albums were very popular, they were sealed in cellophane. So you couldn't open it and really listen to it. So someone had to encourage you to purchase that. So they would put out marketing information out. So to, just to entice you to open that album. And I'm going to ask you, maybe you can tell me, would that have enticed you to open that album and play that especially the title song, I'll Trade a Lifetime, before you actually heard it on the airwaves, you probably would have. <laughs> in late 1968, the late Reverend James Cleveland, longtime friend and admirer, persuaded the twins to turn professional and go out on the road with him. 
The O'Neills toured for two years with Reverend James Cleveland. After this, they headlined at Carnegie Hall, Madison Square Garden, and the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. Edgar asserts that the O'Neill's strongest influences were Reverend James Cleveland and the late Reverend Charles Watkins. The late O'Neill twins recorded the James Cleveland singers on Herman Lubninsky's Savoy Records. That same year, they were back on Peacock recording an album with the Missouri State Choir. After a second album with the Missouri State Choir on Savoy in 1969, the National Association of Television and Radio Artists voted the pair the world's greatest gospel duo. The twins started to record for Savoy with the Interfaith Choir of St. Louis while playing on a bill for the Gospel Music Workshop of America in Los Angeles in 1972. The O'Neills were noticed by a deeply impressed Leon Russell, who was currently enjoying considerable success with the release of Tightrope, issued on his own Shelter record label. The O'Neill twins were featured in a documentary, as I mentioned earlier, Say Amen Somebody, which catapulted their careers higher than they could have ever thought possible and was a major turning point for them and for the church worldwide. Some of their greatest hits were I'll Trade a Lifetime, Broken Vessel, Jesus Dropped the Charges, and Can't Let a Day Go By. The O'Neill twins helped organize the Gateway Area Chapter of the Gospel Music Workshop of America. And again, I mentioned that when I did a tribute show to the late Reverend James Cleveland, he was the founder of the Gospel Music Workshop of America. They also co-founded, along with Eula J. Flowers, the Power Packing Interfaith Choir of St. Louis, Missouri. This choir traveled around the country and recorded numerous albums with the O'Neill twins. They were also nominated for a Stella Award. The twins were prominent figures within the International Music Department, Church of God in Christ, where they led songs and played with the mass choir. In addition to unforgettable performances on the late night musical celebrations, the O'Neills also toured overseas with Dr. Maddie Moss Clark and her daughters, the Clark sisters. The O'Neill twins, being sought after recording artists, recorded on several different record labels. In addition to Peacock, Savoy, they also recorded on Shelter Records. Now, Shelter Records, and the reason why I'm stating this is because some of my listening audience is overseas. And I want you to know that when we get to talk about or discuss some things, that's why I say American or United States to clarify because some I did find one record label that is no longer in existence, 
that is now an overseas record label or band. Now, getting back to Shelter Records, uh, this was a U.S. record label started by Leon Russell and Denny Cordell that operated from 1969 to 1981. The company established offices in both Los Angeles and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Russell's hometown, where the label sought to promote a workshop atmosphere with a recording studio in a converted church adjoining houses for artists working in the studio and other facilities. The Tulsa recording studio was housed in a historic The Church Studio. <laughs> they also recorded with Nashboro Records. Nashboro Records was an American gospel label principally active in the 1950s and the 1960s. Nashboro was founded in Nashville, Tennessee by Ernie Lafayette Young. And that record label, it's indicating here, I think this might be his, how long he lived. It was from 1892 to 1977. However, that's not distinctly clarified. <laughs> but Ernie Lafayette Young, who was the owner of a record store, Ernie's Record Mart, and sponsor of a weekly hit parade show on a radio station, WLAC. In 1951, Young founded Nashboro to issue gospel records, and the following year also created Accelo Records to release secular music, especially R&B and blues acts. Nashboro became a prolific issuer of Southern gospel groups, and Young frequently signed gospel acts from competing labels after they had folded. Some of the groups were backed by Muscle Shoals rhythm section in the studio. And if you'll recall an earlier episode that I did, I talked about Muscle Shoals and I probably will do another feature on Muscle Shoals and the rhythm section. Just to give a, a brief, if you didn't hear that episode, Muscle Shoals rhythm section actually backed one of Aretha Franklin's albums that she was doing. And uh, the rhythm section was her uh, back band. Nashboro was one of several labels to have its catalog of master recordings destroyed in the 2008 Universal Fire. The O'Neill twins also recorded on Air Gospel. That's A-I-R Gospel. Ron Freeman created AIR in 1980 as a natural outgrowth of business. He began in 1968. One-stop record house in Atlanta, Georgia. Having created a booming gospel record business in his wholesale outfit, he decided to try his hand in the production and distribution of gospel audio and launched the label, selling sermons given by local preachers. This side of the business was so successful, Freeman was encouraged to release gospel music albums 
and the first, Rough Side of the Mountain by Reverend F.C. Barnes and Janice Brown was a number one billboard hit for two years following its release and has been one of the most treasured traditional gospel recordings in history and is now considered a classic. And we'll go back for a second and I will do more research and find out more information about Reverend F.C. Barnes and Janice Brown because of what? Gospel music gold. <laughs> now, getting back to Alan Freeman, uh, I'm sorry, getting back to Ron Freeman. Alan Freeman, who was his son, was the former CEO of Air Records. In 2005, they marked their 25th anniversary of Air Records. And during that same year, Malico Music Group and Selecto Hits announced the acquisition of one of the largest and most successful independent traditional gospel labels in the market. And Air stands for Atlanta International Records. So we see here that this record label, which was very successful that began in the 1980s, is now under the umbrella of Malico Music Group. The O'Neill Twins also released on a Creed record label. However, I was not able to find any information on the label. What I did find was there were at least two albums that were under the Creed label. And the reason why I bring that up is the O'Neill Twins recorded, and I indicated this, more than 20 albums on a variety of labels. And talk about shifting from label to label. Most that they had uh, was at the beginning when I mentioned about Peacock Records, where they five, signed a five-year record deal with them. But over their history, they recorded on multiple different labels. When the O'Neill twins sang, that's the way God planned it. Background with the Interfaith Choir of St. Louis, a few artists cover songs like Billy Preston's and Samoa Cook's. Their record sales soared because of the O'Neill Twins version. And I'd like to play that for you now. That's the way God planned it. That's the way that he wants it to be. The black as well as the white Why can't we live together And love one another When God made us He meant for us 
listening to those lyrics it just really makes you think especially with what's going on in the world today why can't we live together and love one another i think that's part of the goal of gospel music is trying to bring people together and remember the word of god through song now in 1975 there was a silver anniversary concert album with the interfaith choir of St. Louis that was presented on Creed. And just to give a title of some of the songs, there was an introduction by the Reverend Jerome Chambers. And then they went into Don't Worry About Tomorrow. There were remarks by the O'Neills. Redemption draweth nigh. I'd trade a lifetime. I used to think that was, I'll trade a lifetime. I'd trade a lifetime. Sinner man, when we all get to heaven, a medley. Keep in touch. That's the way God planned it. That's the song I just played for you that got revived. It was originally recorded uh, by, I guess you could, People caught, could considered Billy Preston a secular artist in some points and in some lights. And then there was a Samoa Cook who also had presented that song. Theirs were a lot slower, didn't have the uh, tempo as the O'Neill Twins. But when the O'Neill Twins song came out, that's the way God planned it. There was a revision of their songs and really increased their sales as well. God Has Smiled on Me was one of the songs that was on the album. And then a bonus cut from the concert was It's Gonna Rain. Now, this album was recorded at Kyle Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. 
there were a couple of other songs on there, which was Golden Dreams and When We All Get to Heaven, parts one and two. Now, as I mentioned just a second ago about the the concert, the al- where the album was recorded was at Kyle Auditorium in St. Louis in 1976. If you listen to the podcast episode where I did a tribute show honoring Mother Willie Mae Ford, you may recall that was the auditorium where she, being the first African-American and the first woman to bring gospel music concerts out of the church setting into an auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. And I find that of some great significance in the location. Now, I briefly talked about this earlier that the O'Neill twins actually worked with and learned from Mother Willie Mae Ford. So that was, I, I think personally that that was a tribute to her. I'm not sure, but I would think that it would be because that's where she brought the first gospel concert into an auditorium setting and out of the church. Now, in 1979 or 1980, uh, where the album probably was recorded in 79, but then released in 1980, the O'Neill twins did a two-album set recorded live in Chicago with the Corinthian Temple Church of God in Christ radio choir under the direction of Sister Lavonia Whitley. Now... (laughs) That brings back memories, although in the in 1980, uh, I was not in Chicago at the time. But thinking about the Corinthian Temple Church of God and Christ Radio Choir, as a teenager, I remember going to some of their broadcasts. And on occasion, uh, my church choir were guests for their anniversaries. And I would love to go over to Corinthian Temple Church of God and Christ because they talk about a dynamic music department and a dynamic music director, which I do hope to get a chance to talk to Lavonia Whitley at sometime soon, but uh, it was just fantastic. And I, as I said, I recall going over there as a teenager and just listening to those mighty voices of the the choir members and watching her direct the choir was just fantastic. And that was all on the West side of Chicago. Yay. (laughs) Now this album that the O'Neill twins did, the live album actually was a two album set. And the double album had an A side, a B side, a C side and a D side. Now, anybody that's ever been on a gospel concert anniversary or come in, your choir is told to sing an A and B selection. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I did okay. Getting back to the O'Neill twins. After Edgar O'Neill made his transition in December of 1990, Edgar began his solo career with a recording of Another Chance and was featured on several other recordings. Of all of his achievement and highlights of Edgar's life, 
was when the O'Neill twins were inducted into the International Gospel Music Hall of Fame in October 2004 in Detroit, Michigan. And he was inducted alongside C.C. Winans, Donnie McClurkin, and other gospel figures. The duo recorded nearly two dozen albums together. Now in 2007, Gateway Area Gospel Legends Hall of Fame in association with the Gateway Area Chapter Missouri and Illinois Incorporated of the Gospel Music Workshop of America, Edgar received his last acknowledgement of achievement. Now, I'm going to get personal here for a second, as if I haven't before. <laughs> my mother often says, give me my flowers while I yet live. And I say, we need to honor those living while they can hear and appreciate the good works they're doing, which is helping me and helping someone else. Edgar O'Neill passed away January 2008. And I came across a headline that read, Gospel Legend Meets His Brother in Glory. And this was the caption that was written by Kenya Vaughn of the St. Louis American. The O'Neill twins, in reading further about the accolades, quotes, and comments, um, some of them were listed as the O'Neill twins' song, can't Let a Day Go By was nominated for a Stella Award, one of gospel music's highest honors. According to fellow Gospel Music Hall of Fame inductee, Meridine Gales, the O'Neill twins possessed a phenomenal sound that no one will ever forget. He gave to us so many with so little. He didn't wait for the big bucks to do it. Edgar gave with his talent, his big talent. Gales went on to say, O'Neill was still effectively carrying on the tradition and ministry of he and his twin brother. They will never be forgotten. As long as they are not forgotten, they will never be dead. Those are the words of Gail of uh, Mrs. Gales. This is a terrible loss, said radio historian and American columnist Bernie Hayes, not only to me, but to St. Louis community and the entire gospel music genre. They touched every denomination. They sang to everybody, all denominations, all people, and the love they had for God was the biggest message. In a 2005 interview with the Post-Dispatch, Mr. O'Neill spoke about the early challenges. We always had bookings and recordings, but when we started, Black gospel was not readily accepted with the wide range it is today, he said. And also, the money wasn't there. Mm. The O'Neills, with Edgar on the piano and both brothers singing, challenged gospel tradition. 
the main gospel thrust at the time was male quartets. And we were a piano group, Mr. O'Neill said. We were considered in a different category from the male singing groups. But then the quartets got into piano. <laughs> it took some years as we stayed out there for our style to take hold. And this, my friends, is a wonderful thought to think about the O'Neill twins and how they revolutionized gospel music in their own way. Thank you for listening to this tribute show honoring the memory of the late O'Neill twins. In this segment on Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold, these shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about the show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions of future guests you would like to hear on the show, send me an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com. You may also like and share the podcast episode, or you may subscribe to be alerted when the newest show is published. There is now a Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold radio show on WMRMDB Internet Radio Station, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. I am your host, Ansonia, saying, let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless.
This episode has been sponsored by Nelsi IT. The disaster has happened. We were all caught off guard March 2020. And in many cases, there is now a rebuilding process which must take place. How does this affect you as a church leader or a small business owner? With over 20 years of experience, we can help you create an emergency response and a business continuity plan for your church or your small business. We discuss methods of preparing for the next emergency or disaster. Here are a few things we can speak to you about for your church. How to continue communicating with your congregants without access to your physical location. How do members reach the leadership staff? What about church records? Are they safe and available? And here are a few things we will cover for a small business. Communicating with your customers and meeting their needs and or orders. Do you have a backup process to keep your business records safe? We can talk about technology, security, and record keeping. For more information, contact us at 708-762-3587. That's 708-762-3587. And we can discuss how you can feel more comfortable in creating a emergency response plan and or a business continuity plan.